Matthew 16, there's a moment in the life of Jesus when it's just really a cool moment. He, he and his, Peter, James, and John, a couple of his disciples, they, they, they travel to Caesarea Philippi, which was a, quite, of a, quite a bit of a hike. They, they took off on a little uh, road trip, hoofed it up to Caesarea Philippi, which is kind of in this wooded mountain, mountainous area. And Caesarea Philippi was an interesting place because it was, it, it was a, a location where there was the god Pan that they would worship. And it was this uh, pagan god, and they did it for centuries. And uh, they, would, they would sacrifice children, and they would worship this pagan god. And it was just a, it was this rock face that they built a temple around. The temple is now um, no longer there. We have a picture of it. I want you to see it. This is Brad and I, and uh, we're, we're, we're in, in Addie Ayler. Yeah, Addie, that's you right there. Uh, we're standing in front of this. And right, right there, it's a hole. And, 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 and you know what they called that? They called that the gates of hell. That's what it was known as, the gates of hell. And Jesus travels there, and it's interesting, because he, he looks at his disciples and he says, and he said to Peter specifically, he said, Peter, um, Upon this rock, Jesus, I think, points to himself. Upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. And they traveled to the gates of hell. And he said, and I want you to know, I want to say out loud, Peter, that, that I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I love that. I think it's so cool that Jesus, he traveled to that spot for that announcement to publicly announce in front of the gates of hell, hey, by the way, um, demons of hell and all you spiritual forces of evil, I'm getting ready to tell you something. I'm starting the church, and I want you to know you're not going to win. And I love it because he picked a fight. And I love it that Jesus wasn't a pansy. You know, we see Jesus as this, like, walking around, never moving in your arms, his arms or anything. You know, and he, he was tough. And he made an announcement in front of Satan in all his realm, this historic place where they had child sacrifices. And he says, I, I just want to say out loud, the gates of hell won't prevail against it. And it was the announcement of the church. That's us. That, that's, and and, and we've, we're seeing history continue to unfold, and the church is still moving forward. Now, we're, not, we're, we're, we're a people in progress. We, we are all broken. We all have um, struggles, and, we're, and God is making us into his image. He's growing us up. None of us walked in the room today, and we don't have it all together. Because we're, 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 we're experiencing the Lord help us put our lives back together. And that's what the church is. And that's what it's been. And Jesus started it. And now, uh, most, most, of, most people probably didn't, I don't know if you paid attention that we, in 2017, we started the book of Acts. And we got halfway through. And we didn't keep going in Acts. Uh, I asked David, I asked you that question that Wednesday night. D David, do you remember that I didn't start, I, I stopped the book of Acts in the middle? And he's like, I oh, kind of, I kind of remember that. But, but, you know, preaching through the Bible, which is what we do, we, we kind of walk through the Word. 
Um, it's okay that you may not have remembered that we stopped in the book of Acts because, you, you know, it's just like when I was growing up, I don't remember every meal my mom cooked me, but I grew up, you know. Now I'm trying not to grow so much, but, uh, but, but you know, I grew up and I was n- nourished, and I remember some highlight meals uh, from my mom, but, but I grew up. And, and, and as we teach through the Word, we grow up in our faith. There was a reason we stopped, and, uh, but, but I wanted to come back to Acts, and we called this series Rooted because we're rooted in the beginnings of the church. We're rooted in Christ, how Christ started the church, and these are our roots. Now, the book of Acts is such an interesting book because uh, just to recap and to kind of come back to it, um, it's written by Luke. Luke is a physician. And Luke was, uh, was very well educated. He, uh, he was known as a, he was a Gentile, likely. Most theologians believe Luke was a Gentile. And, 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 and we know that he was very well educated because when you look at the gospel of Luke and the book of Acts, the Greek is very well written. It, it, it's it's uh, written like uh, formally, if you will, like the, the aristocrats and the and the educated people would read the book of Luke and the book of Acts and go, okay, I mean, this guy's educated, this guy's articulate, and that's what Luke did. In the in the Greek is that way, and and what I love about the book of Luke and the book of Acts, Luke was writing to a guy named Theophilus. Now, we don't know. Theophilus was a common name. We don't know who he is, really. Uh, most people believe that Theophilus was, a, was an unbeliever, that Luke was reaching out to. Luke was trying to persuade. And I love that about the book of Luke and the, and the book of Acts because here is, here is Luke saying, man, Theophilus, I want you to know about Jesus. I want you to know the, that, that this is a... a, a, a this story really happened, and I want you to understand these accounts because I want you to know my Savior. And I, and I, and I love that. Now, now, this is a perfect time. Remember, remember the beginning of this year when we started 2018, we issued a challenge to our church, the gospel challenge. And the challenge is to, to share the gospel with as many people as your age in 2018. So, so like, I'm, I turned 47 this year. I know I don't look that old, right? Uh, I'm just kidding. I'm getting bald and all that stuff. But, um, but, but I turned 47 this year. So the goal is I'm going to share the gospel with at least 47 people. And I want to challenge you to revisit that in your life. Have, have, how are you doing? How's your progress? We have, like, what, four months left uh, before the end of the year, four or five months to the end of the year. And, and so how, how are you doing? I mean, I, we're, we're going back to Acts, which is this, this book written by, by Luke pleading with a, with a buddy, come to Jesus. And then this is the way we should live. I mean, our lives should be moving people and pleading with people and encouraging people, hey, come to Jesus. And, and so we got to recognize this as, as we see this. Now, if you look at the book of Acts, you can divide it into two point, two parts. And this is why we stopped where we stopped and are picking back up where we're starting today. Because if you look at the first 12 chapters of the book of Acts, the camera kind of turns its, its lens onto Jerusalem and the church at Jerusalem. You, you saw in the first half of Acts, Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came and Jesus had ascended into heaven and left his Holy Spirit. And, and then you see the, the disciples 
disciples, they, they, they share the gospel, and they faced all these incredible moments. Um, and then in Acts 10, this amazing thing happens with Peter and Cornelius. Cornelius was this general, this, this uh, leader, uh, the, uh, uh, soldier who came to Christ. Peter went to his house, which was crazy that, that he would go in, and you can go back and look at that message. But um, Cornelius and all his family get saved. Well, they were Gentiles. Now, now this is a big deal for us because I, I guarantee you most of us in this room are Gentiles. Uh, um, and, and so this was a huge moment because the, 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 the gospel began to open up to the Gentiles, now, now, the truth is, this was God's plan the whole time. I mean, God's people, when we, we just finished our series in Genesis last week, and we saw that God's people moved to Egypt as a family. It was the family of Israel, these brothers and their, their, their kids and grandkids. And, and, but they leave Egypt 400 years later as a nation. And they were an entire nation. And, and what's interesting is that God had set apart this nation to be the priest nation. They were called to point the world to God. But, but see, like our, our, in Israel this summer, our guide said to us, you know, Judaism is very closed. It's hard to break in to become a Jew. And that wasn't God's plan. God's plan was for, for the world to come to, G, come to God. But the Jews, they, they didn't follow that. And so, so what Jesus did, he came and he says, I'm starting the church. The church is going uh, to be the, the, the proclaimer of salvation to the world. And you know what's interesting is that's, that's where we are today. Now, there's going to be a day that Jesus returns. And it's all going to be the, over. And the, the end of time is going to come. And, and we're going to be in heaven. And, and so, but, but right now, we're in the church age, the age where the church is at work and we're serving. Now, there are five quick important things about the book of Acts. Um, I want you to see the book of, the writings of Luke, do you know that it makes up one-fourth of the New Testament? When you look at the book of Luke and the book of Acts, it's pretty, they're both pretty long. And if you just look at the the the. the, the the length of those two books, that's a fourth of the New Testament. So Luke was a pretty important person to write that much of the, of the, of the Bible, of the, of the New Testament. Uh, Acts also, it's interesting because it, it, it provides this account of this amazing change that took place. You see the radical transformation of these Jewish people that used to wor- worship on the, on the Shabbat or the Sabbath, and now they're worshiping on Sunday. You see this, um, this, it's a radical transformation of tradition. Now, we think we have traditions, and we sang an old hymn today, one of the older hymns. And, and sometimes we get into, oh, you know, we, we miss those old things. Well, we don't know old things here in the United States, in, in our culture. I mean, I mean, we're talking tradition that goes back to Moses. I mean, we're talking real tradition, stuff that went back centuries. I, I mean, um, uh, this is big. This is a big tradition that changed. And Acts records this transformation of those traditions. Acts also is a, it's an important book because it provides the gap, uh, it answers to the gap between the, the, the beginning of these salvation, the, the, the apostles being saved and, and, and they're coming to Christ, the Holy Spirit's moving, and now these churches like Ephesus and Colossians, and, and, and it's, it's how these churches began. 
an important book. Um, it also is very important because it shows for the first time Christianity is becoming a worldwide faith. I mean, it's going to all over the world. And it also explains the Holy Spirit's work. And I want you to see this. The Holy Spirit began to work at Pentecost, and the Holy Spirit is continuing to work in the hearts of people, in people's lives, and will do that until Jesus returns. That's a big deal. It's a big book. It's an important book. Now, we're going to take the next 10 weeks and turn our face to the second half of Acts, which is the missionary journeys of Paul. And the lens moves from Peter in Jerusalem, and then it's going to go to, to, to Paul. And, and it's going to go turn the spotlight on his missionary journeys as he goes to the Gentiles. And this is huge for us. So would you stand with me and let's look at Acts chapter 12. We're going to read verses 24 and we're going to read into chapter 13 through verse 12. And this is the beginning of this missionary journey of Saul, Paul. Verse 24 of chapter 12. But the word of God increased and multiplied. And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem. When they had completed their service, bringing with them John, whose other name was Mark, and there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogue of the Jews, and they had John to assist them. When they had gone through the whole island as far as Paphos, they came upon a certain magician, a Jewish false prophet named Barjesus. He was with the proconsul, Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence, who summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of the Lord. But Elymas, the magician, for that was the meaning of his name, opposed them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. But Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, You son of the devil! You enemy of all righteousness, full of deceit and villainy, will you not stop making the crooked, the, making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? And now, behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you will be blind and unable to see the sun for a time. Immediately a mist and darkness fell upon him. And he went about seeking people to lead him by the hand. But the proconsul believed when he saw what had occurred, for he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. And this is the word of the Lord. Thank you. You may be seated now. What an amazing story. Oh, my goodness. I mean, it's crazy when you look at this. And, and now, now, the first thing I want you to see in your notes, if you have your notes, follow along. I hope, hope you'll do that. But do you know that the message of salvation is intended for the entire world? And this is an important thing to understand, that, that the message of the cross 
is, is for the entire world. We see, and we see this taking place in the book of Acts. Verse 24, chapter 12, it says, it points out, the word of God increased and multiplied. This was a moment that, it's amazing that people, that the people were responding to the gospel. These men that watched Jesus die on the cross, they watched him die. And then they saw him raised from the dead. They saw him after he had, he had died. That changed their life. And so they went on and said, hey, you know what? Jesus is alive. And his Holy Spirit is in them, giving them power. And, and they're working, man. They're, they're serving the Lord. They're, they're out there. They're, they're, they're telling people about Jesus. And, and the Spirit is moving and it's multiplying. And, and in spite of the persecution, you look at, uh, and there have been people killed. Stephen was killed in Acts 7. Uh, Peter was arrested all through the first half of Acts. You see this beatings and, and, and nothing is going to stop them because they're like, look, he, he rose from the dead. I'm not going to stop talking about Jesus. And, and he, they keep going. In verse 25, um, you see Barnabas and Saul, he's Saul here. Um, they returned from Jerusalem. They'd finished their service and bringing with them those, uh, John, John Mark is really his name, John whose other name was Mark. You see this a lot. When people get saved, when their lives change, their name changes. You know, we saw great examples of baptisms today and their lives were changed. You know, we don't have that practice. My name didn't change when I got saved, but my life changed. But it's a picture of these lives changing. And, 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 you know, I want us to see that from the beginning, God has called the church to proclaim the hope of salvation to the world. And this is why we've got to take, take this seriously. We've got to be ones that are, that are like, hey, we're going to represent Christ. We're going to follow the Lord. And, and Israel was called to be the priest nation. And, and, and it's important that, that we, we see this. And, and, and Jesus taught us this. Remember when Jesus was hanging out? In John 3 with Nicodemus, Nicodemus was a teacher of the law. He, he should have known this, that, that God has called them to be the priest nation. And, and, G, and he came to Jesus at night and said, okay, Jesus, man, nobody can do what you do unless you're from God. I got to check you out. And, um, and then Jesus said to him, remember what he said to him in John 3? Jesus said to Nicodemus, Nicodemus, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Nicodemus, God, he said, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. So he's like, Nicodemus, look, the, the world is saved through Jesus, and, the world, and, and we got to know this, we got to proclaim this, and that's why I came. And the disciples, they're, they're carrying this out. And, and I want you to notice, look at verse, verse 1. Back in verse chapter chapter thirteen. Now they, they, here they are in the church, and and they're they're serving, and, and you get all these different types of people that are coming to Christ. You see Simon from Africa. He was an African, and 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 so you see him coming to Christ, and you see Lucius of Cyrene, and and these these officials, these lifelong friends of Herod the Tetrarch, which is a big deal. One of Herod's friends came to Christ. All these people are coming to Jesus. Look at verse two. While they were, and Saul was there. Now Saul's deal, oh my goodness, for him to be saved was crazy. For his life to be changed, that he was the worst person that any Christian ever knew. I mean, I want you to think about, I mean, be nice about this, but think about the worst person you know, right? Right now, get a picture of them in their head. Pray for them, okay? That's, um, the worst person everybody knew got saved. And he's with these guys, which is crazy. Verse 2, 
Look at what they're doing while they were worshiping the Lord. So they're singing to the Lord. They're worshiping. They're, they're, look at what they're doing. They're, um, they're fasting. Ouch, okay, right? We're Baptists. We cook stuff, right? We don't like to fast. But they were, they were fasting. They, they were, what, is, what are you doing? You're fasting. You're, 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 turning, you're saying, God, I'm, I'm going to discipline my life. I'm going to discipline myself. By the way, this is just for free. You ought to write this book down. There's a book called The Celebration of Discipline by a guy named Richard Foster. Man, that's a book you ought to get. You ought to wrestle through that. The Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster. Well, these guys were were fasting and they're they're disciplining themselves. It says, um, and look at this, the Holy Spirit said to them, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. So the church, they're being the church. And they're saying, okay, wait, wait, guys, you're back from Jerusalem. Now I need you to set apart these two men because I've called them to do something. I've called them to something. And, and we do this. We set apart people. We, we pray for mission teams as they go on mission trips. We prayed for our college kids that went to England. And, and we prayed for our group that went to our group of ladies and, and Rob and these guys that went to Arizona. And we prayed for us in Cambodia. And, and, and we do this. We, we also pray for men that are called to ministry, like, like Brennan, our youth pastor. Uh, we laid hands on him, ordained him to ministry, set him apart for ministry. Rob Lewis, who's preaching right now on this passage at Calvary in Tulsa at our second campus. He, he's, he, we laid hands on him and ordained him to ministry. Daniel, who's leading worship at Calvary, we laid hands on him. See, this is what the church does. They, they laid hands on them. They said, okay, we're going to pray for them and send them apart, send them to, to work. And, and look at this. Um, Verse 3, then after fasting and praying, they laid hands on them and sent them off. So look at this. Notice verse 4. So being sent out by who? The Holy Spirit. You know, sometimes we think, oh, well, we, our church set them apart. No, that's the Holy Spirit at work. This is, this is what God does. The Holy Spirit set them apart. He just uses the church, lets us be a part of it. And I love that. And they went down to Seleucia, and from there they, they sailed to Cyprus. Now, now you see all kinds of cool things here. You see leaders with, with various backgrounds and gifts coming together. What they're, they're worshiping, fasting, praying. They're listening to the Holy Spirit. And you know what I kept thinking about as a church? Do you know that our church is called to grow up? This is what you see in the book of Acts. You see the church growing up. And we're called to grow spiritually. We're called to grow up. Some of us have stayed spiritually immature for too long. And we're called to grow up. Look, let's, let's move to maturity. Let's know what the Word says. We're called to be a church that grows up. We're called to grow and reach people and, see the, and pray that the gospel is multiplied. And, and, and we're called to grow up. You know, our church is also called to get ready. You notice that? You know, you know, like I look at the mission. That we're, I mean, it's so cool today that the mission is opened. Oh, my goodness. Can you, we watch the Lord provide for that and call us to that. And, 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 you know, when I think about that responsibility, you know, that's just us doing what God told us to do. And I pray that for the rest of our lives, we are people that say, God, we're just going to do what you tell us to do. We're just going to be responsible. And you know what's interesting is, is when... When, when we, we got to get ready for the Lord to lead us and the Lord to use us. 
And it's interesting how this, this happens, that, that, that this, they said, hey, Barnabas, Saul, get ready, boys. I got a work for you to do. And they're like, okay, we're getting ready. And, and, you know, then you see that our church is called to get ready. I pray we do that. But our church is also called to go out. We're to go. We're to get busy. We're to, we're to not just sit on our rear. We better not be a church that sits on our rear. We're not going to do that. I'm not saying we better not. We ain't doing that. Sorry, teachers. We are not going to do that. We are not. But, but we see point number two. Do you know that every time God's, God works, conflict is certain? Every time God works, there's going to be conflict. Now look at this. Look at verse 4. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. So they're preaching. They go to the synagogues because they had contacts there. They're like, hey, we're proclaiming the truth. And, and look at what happened. Um, uh, and they had John to assist them. When they had gone through the whole island as far as Paphos, they came upon a certain magician, a Jewish false prophet named Bar-Jesus, this false teacher, this guy that was, that was no good. He was teaching the wrong things. He was leading people in the wrong way. Verse 7, he was with the proconsul Sergius Paulus. So this, this false teacher was connected to this, this official. So this is a, a religious leader that is, is like not right, not doing the right thing. But he's, but he's convinced him, this, this proconsul, that he's important, that his message is important. And he says... Um, but, but this Sergius Paulus, this proconsul, was a man of intelligence. And what did he do? Look at this. He summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of the Lord. Now, this makes perfect sense. But this proconsul is going, hey, I, I need to hear these guys. I want to talk to you. They're preaching, and they're like, hey, wh- what's, what are you about? And you know what's amazing? we got to realize this is normal when you walk with Jesus. When you walk with the Lord, do you know that a lost world looks at us and goes, i got to ask you, what's up? What are you about? You know, um, this is why 1 Peter 3, 15 says, In your heart set apart Christ as Lord. Always be ready to give an answer to those who ask you to give a reason for the hope that you have. Are you living a life that's causing a lost world to go, I need to know about you. Why do you act like that at work? Because that's, that's good. You know what's sad to me is, is that sometimes like our restaurants on Sunday, Christians that go to lunch leave the worst tips, are the worst customers. Don't, don't you, like I've heard people that, I'm going to leave you a track, tell you about Jesus, you don't need money, you need a track. Give them a good tip. That's dumb to do that. We ought to be living lives that cause people to go, man, I, I need to know about you. Man, well, let's evaluate that. 
I mean, what I love about what Paul and, or Saul and Barnabas, they, this proconsul is going, what, what's up? I want to hear about you. Um, but, but look at verse 8. But Elymas, the magician, for that was the meaning of his name, opposed them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. Now, what's happening is there's opposition. God's at work and opposition comes. Can I, can I ask a question? Here's a good question. Would, can you recognize false teachers? Would you be able to hear a teacher teach, a preacher preach, and go, oh, that's not right? Sometimes we look at somebody and say, um, oh, well, that's a preacher, so he must be speaking the truth. Boy, don't ever do that. Don't ever do that. Just because somebody wrote a book or has degrees or letters behind their name, that really doesn't mean that. That just means they can stay in school a long time, okay? I, I have my doctorate, which the only thing that means is I, I wrote a really long paper, and they said, okay, you can get out of here now. That's, that's all it is. So, so we got to be careful that we are able to recognize teaching. Listen. We got to know the Word of God. There was a guy at Council Road, the church I came from, and uh, man, he was an amazing guy. Mickey Maroney was his name, and Mickey was so cool. He taught 10th grade boys in our youth ministry, and I've told this before, and I'm going to You'll hear me say this again because it's such a cool story. But Mickey uh, guarded President Reagan. He was worked in as a Secret Service agent. And, and Mickey was killed in the Oklahoma City bombing and uh, broke our hearts um, because we loved him. And, man, he was such a great leader. And, and, but one day he, he was teaching 10th grade boys, and, and he was a Secret Service agent. He brought 10 $100 bills to class. And he said to the 10th grade boys, hey, boys, one of these is real, and if you can find it, if you can pick the real one, you can have it. But the other nine, I'm taking back with me because they're fake, and you'll get arrested. And, and I took them from my office, and I probably shouldn't have done that, but I'm the boss, so I can do that. And so, uh, so he passed it out. These 10th grade boys are looking at these $100 bills, and they're like, I want to take the $100 bill home to Sunday school today. That'd be awesome. And, and none of them picked the right one. And Mickey, one by one, took each $100 bill and said, okay, this is fake because of this. This is fake because of this. This is fake because of this. And they were like, how did you do that? And he said to them, I spent so much time studying the real thing that when I saw something false, I go, hey, that's false. That's not right. That's what we got to do with the Word of God. Sometimes we accept what somebody says and we don't listen. You need to listen. You need to listen to what I say and evaluate it and, and say, Chris, are you teaching what's right? And I pray that our church knows the Word of God so well that I am prohibited from teaching something that's false. Man, we need it to be that way. Um, another thing I think is a good question, can you recognize God's voice? Because Paul and Saul here, is listening to the voice of God, and he's listening to the Holy Spirit. And, and, and it's amazing because um, look at what he does. And, and point number three, and this is such a cool point, and I don't want us to miss this, don't miss life in the faith zone. Because what Paul or Saul and, 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 and Barnabas, these guys are, are, are in this faith zone. Or, and, and, they're, and they're living by faith. And these, these leaders, the church is living by faith. And, and they're in this zone of faith. 
And that's a zone I pray we get in all the time, every day, that we live in this zone of faith. And look at verse, verse 9. But Saul, who was called Paul, this is where you see his name change. He's, he's called Saul at the beginning of this chapter, in chapter 13. And then right here by verse 9, they're like, no, you're Paul now, buddy. Look what he does. Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him. I hope when we get to heaven, I get to see the movie of this passage going. I want to see the tape because I I would love to see what Luke writes. Like, yeah, he looked intently at him. I I think he's like in his grill right here. I think he's like, what'd you say? Huh? And And sometimes we think as Christians, we're like, oh, well, let's be nice, okay? We don't want to offend anybody. Paul's not really worried about that right here. He looks intently. Have you ever had somebody look intently at you? Uh-huh, that's right. And, and he's intent. Verse 10, he says, look what he says. You son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, full of all deceit and villainy, will you not stop making crooked the straight path of the Lord? Okay, so... The Greek translation of this means you play baseball like a girl. I mean, he's like yelling at him. This is not like, oh, I hope you're not offended. Oh, we got to get, oh, come on. Uh, we, we're going to offend people at times. Now, now, I'm not saying we should be jerks because sometimes Christians are jerks and we shouldn't be. But, but right here, Paul is filled with the Holy Spirit. And let me tell you something. There are times that we should stand up and go, that's not right. That is not right. And this is one of those moments. Now, the key there is led by the Spirit. And that's what he was doing. He, and, and, and look what he says, verse 11. I would love to be able to do this. I, I, God's never told me to do this. But he says, and now behold, the hand of the Lord is on you, and you will be blind and unable to see the sun for a time. Can you imagine? I wonder if it's just like, you know what? Be blind. I mean, I would love to be able to do that. Like, I get mad at somebody and go, you can't see. You know, I don't know. I don't know what he's doing. But... Um, but he called, says he's going to be blind. And look at this. Immediately a mist and darkness fell upon him. And he went about seeking people to lead him by the hand. Now, if you're bar Jesus, we don't know that he came to Christ. But I'm telling you what, if, if I was bar Jesus, and I'd be switching teams right here. I'd be like, hey, I'm changing sides. I'm on the wrong side. Uh, we don't know if he did. He may not have. We don't hear about him. But I'll tell you what, if that guy's not in heaven when we get there, what a knothead. Seriously. How can, he, how can he not switch teams right there? But look at what happened. Verse 12, the proconsul believed when he saw what had occurred, for he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. This proconsul was like, dude, I'm following Jesus. This bar Jesus guy, he's blind. I'm following the guys that can see right? You know what's sad? There's a lot of people in the world following blind folks, blind things. And we can see we're called to follow Jesus. And and now, now there's a lot of things here 
Can I just briefly and quickly just point out some interesting things? Do you know that when you, when you live in that faith zone, do you know that spiritual disciplines are expected? Notice what they're doing. They're fasting. They're worshiping. They're praying. They're seeking the Lord. These are what they're doing. This is the habit of their life. And so what I want us to be, and I pray we are a church that fasts, that prays, that, that worships, that seeks the Lord. Because they're living in that faith zone. And I don't want to miss the faith zone. I don't want to miss that in my life. I want to walk with the Lord. I want to experience God's power. Because that's what happens when you're, when you're living in those spiritual disciplines. Let me tell you something. Some of us need to be more disciplined. Spiritual disciplines are helpful for us. We need to discipline our lives. And, 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 and you know, um, I pray that we help one another and sharpen one another to, to live disciplined lives. That's why we can't flirt with sin. And let's get that, let's stop looking at that porn. Let's stop, let's stop being disobedient to our parents. And let's walk with Jesus. Let's, let's honor the Lord with the way we live. Let's pay attention to our lives. Let's, let's evaluate. If nobody's coming up and asking us, tell me about what you're, how you're living. Maybe we're not living right. And we should. We should. You know, I love my amen group. We got ameners in, well, I guess both of our big ameners are in this service now. Give me one. Right, there we go. I love it. You know what? Um, I'll tell you what. I love it that we get moved and say amen every once in a while. We're not the frozen chosen. We need to... Do this. Live in that faith zone. Disciplines are expected. We see this all throughout. Do you know that when you're, when you're in that faith zone, do you know that boldness becomes natural? You're bold in the right moments. You know, sometimes we're not bold in the right moments. But, but when you're in that faith zone, you get bold in the right moments. And this is what happens when you walk with the Lord. Boldness becomes natural. Saul, verse 9, he's filled with the Holy Spirit. He looked intently. He was bold in the right moments. He gives him this big speech, you son of the devil. You ought to try that this week. If someone gets, you son of the devil, you know. Um, so throwing the baseball like a girl thing, that's good. Um, but El, you know what else, though? When you live in that faith zone, you know that Satan is consistently defeated. That's what happens in that faith zone. There's victory there's power, there's strength, there's hope. And this is what happens in that faith zone. And do you know that, that in that zone, do you know that it's often really uncomfortable? And can I tell, uh, can, I, can I just ask that we hold one another accountable not to live a life that's comfortable? You know, this morning, MicroArt. He, we went to Cambodia this year on a mission trip, and I hated the food. Man, I had some problems afterwards when I got home, and and it's just I'll just keep that to myself. But uh, but you know what? It was a little bit rough. Well, I mean, I didn't go to the rough parts. You you kind of. But it was it was rough, a little rougher. But we went to Cambodia, uh, and it was an amazing experience training these pastors. You know that we help a church in Cambodia. Mike walked by me today, and he said, hey, I want to show you a picture. 
And, and he goes, this is, they're 12 hours ahead of us. He goes, this is Cambodia this morning coming to church. Look at that. They, they, those ladies are walking to church this morning. Now, now I got wet when I got out of my truck today because I got here about 7, 7 o'clock. And there was a sheets of rain blowing sideways. And I'm still wet right now from that rain. But I didn't do that, right? And you know what's interesting? I, 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 when there's a group of pastors, we, we pray for each other on Sunday. And one of them said, oh, man, I hate it when it rains on Sunday because people don't come to church when it rains. And can I just say, I looked at that picture and thought, Really? Come on. I mean, I mean, there's probably, okay, I'm going to say this. There's somebody watching online today. It was like, oh, I don't want to come to church because it rained. Bless your heart. <laughs> Bless your heart. I just, oh, my goodness. I, 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 oh, I just, I just hope you mess up your hair. Bless your heart. And so next time it rains, you ought to come. And I bet they're sitting there going, honey, we got to go next time. <laughs> that just was said, I promise you, by somebody. Uh, we'll see you at the mission at two, buddy, whoever you are. Um, but you know what? We're not called to comfort. We're going to be studying over the next few months these missionary journeys. And, man, it's crazy some of these stories that took place when people walk with God. We don't want to miss walking with God. Maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus. And I, I just want to stand in front of you and say, come to Jesus today. Let me tell you something. If you follow Jesus, it won't be comfortable. It won't be easy. It's going to cost you now, salvation is a free gift. But let me tell you something. It wasn't cheap. And God calls us to surrender to his voice. And there are a lot of people that um, will misrepresent the Christian life and say, oh, you know what? You can have your best life now. I want you to know the Bible tells us our best life is going to be later when we go to heaven. And right here, we're going to face some difficulties. And I, I promise you that when you follow Jesus, you, it's, it's like, um, did I talk about Emily this, this service? Did I tell you about that? Okay, thank you. My wife was in the first service. Let me end with that. You know, Emily... Um, she's a junior in college at OBU, and a lot of our families went to, um, went to school yesterday, dropped their kids off, said, see ya, college kids. And it's hard. That's a hard thing to do. And, um, you know, it's interesting. When Emily came home from the hospital, she weighed 5 pounds and 13 ounces. I could literally hold her in my hand like this. And I remember looking at her going, oh, my goodness i got to take this thing home with me. What do I do with this? 
and, and we, I like carried her to the car and we like put her in that hermetically sealed car seat, you know, and strapped her in and she was like, you know, cocooned up and, and we, and we put her in our house and we walked in and we carefully placed her in a, in her, in her nursery that we decorated in Noah's Ark. And I was like, cool, the destruction of humanity is what our child is coming home to. Um, maybe, maybe she'll, maybe she'll have a heart for the Lord and say, hey, time's running out. I've known this from the beginning. Come to Jesus. You know, that's what I prayed. Um, and, and so we put her in with the pads and everything and, and man, she, she was safe. Do you know that when I came to Jesus, when I was born again, God didn't put me in a padded area. He sent me straight into the battle. And folks, we're in a spiritual battle. And if you're here today without Jesus, if you've never been born again, I just want you to know when you are born again, you're entering the battle. And that's what Saul did. And now his name's Paul. And he ran a race that we need to learn from. Will you come to Jesus today?